Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of We're Going There. If it is your first time here or you're new to podcasts, let me welcome you around these parts and say you have a space at my table. You have a seat at my table. I'm so glad you're here. For those that have left comments, for those that have shared on social media or left kind reviews, I just want to say thank you. It means so much to me. It helps the podcast continue to move forward. As always, today, two lucky winners are going to get some amazing prizes that I will include right after this. But before we get into what I want to gift you, today I'm throwing an audible. Instead of me interviewing a guest, I have a special guest interviewing me. And it is my twin sister, Jasmine Starr. For those that don't know, Jasmine Starr is an entrepreneur, a business savvy woman who is savage. She says that she is not bossy. She's a boss. I'll let you decide after this interview. Now, if you like the podcast and are sharing on social media, tag at Jasmine Starr and at Bianca Oltoff in your fun, exciting podcast updates on social media and the winners will receive a six-week DVD Bible study through the book of Galatians with my friend Jada Edwards. It's brand new. It's phenomenal. And she's a great friend. I love her to bits and pieces. And the second lucky winner will receive Allie Worthington's new book, Standing Strong. So again, share on social media, leave a great review. I can't wait to put these resources in your hands. Now, if you've been around the podcast before, you know that I always share some sort of story with the person that I'm interviewing, but Jasmine does a great job at sharing a very embarrassing story about us and our twindom growing up. So without further ado, let me introduce to you my roommate, twin sister, business coach, and overall best friend. Will you please welcome Jasmine Stark to the show? Stop cutting me off. Good God, woman. Okay, go. It's like if there's a mic, you will eat it. Okay. <sighs> Friends, prepare your hearts. The person you are about to hear will either make or break my day. Now, that is like a pretty big statement, but I have to just come out and state it wide on the open. This person, I have waited because I'm kind of sort of scared and excited and elated and just dying at the fact that my twin sister is on the podcast today. Now, before you think where this is going to be a walk down memory lane, no, it won't. Well, actually, when you speak to Bianca, everything is a walk down memory lane. But because she has multiple personalities, it's a walk down 24 lanes at once because she tells you a story and 27 minutes later, you're barely at the intro. That's my sister. She's coming on the podcast. This might be a 10 and a half hour episode due to the rate that my sister talks. But today we are going to be focusing on building a brand. And I couldn't think of like a better situation to look at two people who grew up in the same household. We went to the same high school. We went to the same college. We pursued very similar paths, built out personal brands, and then our paths kind of go their own way. I want to talk about the different iterations of building a brand from a personal perspective and then building a brand from an organizational perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Bianca Wattis Oltoff to the podcast for the first time. I'm Yay. so excited, Jenny. I'm so excited. And that was probably the worst introduction I have ever received being on a <laughs> podcast or being introduced. But I will take it and I will go down all 24 lanes to do my own introduction. Okay. <laughs> okay. So one thing I'm, I've never asked this of a podcast guest, but because our, our voices are really similar, 
I want to make sure that people don't get confused. And so because you have you and your many iterations of your personality, I'm going to require that you answer your questions using one of your favorite accents. I'm so <laughs> obsessed right now. You don't even understand how you made my day. Like I, I, Jasmine, for all your podcast listeners, I was like, they're going to get confused because their voices are, are very similar. <laughs> Except wait, what people don't know is Jasmine has, Jasmine has a podcast voice. This is her podcast voice. So I will not use my, I can't Jasmine believe you're throwing shade. Iteration. Really? You're, you're throwing shade. You should okay. be really nice to me. I am. I am. No, but for real, I am very excited to, to be on the show with you. I, I'm an avid podcast listener and now I get to have a conversation with you. So in all seriousness, yes, you are my sister. Yes, you are my twin sister, but you have also been my business coach. And so for those that still might be confused, I will put on various accents, but this is Bianca speaking. And I just get to look across the screen and tell my twin sister that she's not just my twin sister. She's also been my, my, my coach and my advocate. And there's so many stories uh, that I can tell people outside of the business realm how you really do care for people. And we, our family throws a lot of shade at you because you're bossy. Um, I'm not a boss. boss. I'm no, no, I'm, no. I'm boss. I knew I'm, your line. I knew your I'm, line, girl. No, don't take my line. I haven't even said my line. My line is I'm boss ish, not bossy. Boss ish is I possess the qualities of being a boss and make no apologies. Bossy is just tell you what to do without in love. So I'm boss ish. Okay. So I'm going to start my accents right now and just say, bless your heart. Okay. Bless your heart. For everyone that doesn't know, this is Bianca talking. I'm going to have a bunch of different accents on this episode <laughs> just so that y'all aren't confused. And though my voice may change, uh, the truth will not. Amen. Hallelujah. Carry on, Jasmine. <laughs> Friends, welcome to the circus that is my sister. We're going to be focusing on being in the public eye as a leader and how it affects your brand. So for people who may not realize my sister and I are twins, we were born in the same home, raised by the same family, and our lives look very similar and very different. Now, I, I know that many listeners are just finding out that I have a twin, but I'm going to give a brief, actually, I'm not going to give a brief introduction. I'm going to ask Bianca to give a brief introduction about who she is, how she got to where she is, and just at the juncture she is in her personal life and professional life. Okay. So I'm going to do a different accent. I'm going to do my Rosie Perez accent. Cause okay. You know, just kidding. You just kidding. You don't have to do that. It's going to be, it's going <laughs> to. Okay, good. So um, for those that don't know, and for those that can't see, I think that this is a perfect depiction of the differences between Jasmine and I. Yes, we shared a womb and we were womb mates, but she's wearing a white shirt and I'm wearing a black shirt and we could not <laughs> be more diametrically opposed. World listening, we are very different. Um, yes, like Jazzy said, we are raised in the same household, same parents in high school, same college, but probably around the age of 25, I think we began to see the world very, um, are, are just, we're, we saw ourselves as individuals, you know, Jazzy got married and I think that was like the full departure of twindom for me. And, um, I was in graduate school and while in graduate school, I just realized I loved people. My ambitions of getting a PhD and opening up an art gallery in downtown Los Angeles to represent underrepresented artists was hijacked for my love of people and not just my love of people and storytelling, but that of words. And so I began this journey, um, actually thanks to Jasmine, now that I'm even thinking about it, uh, of blogging. So even from back in the day, boss-ish Jasmine That's right. um, encouraged me to start a blog. And from that, it was just a place for me to express my love for my God and my love for his people. And from that, um, 10 years now later, well, actually, no, gosh, I think it's like 14 years later, I've been um, teaching, uh, preaching, uh, traveling to different conferences. I write books. 
And most recently, my husband and I launched a new adventure of starting a church in Orange County, California called the Father's House OC. So one thing that I really want to focus on is once Bianca finished her graduate program and then once she started getting into helping other people, it first took on different iterations. My father, our father, is a pastor of a church in East Los Angeles and she was very involved in that community. And throughout the process, she happened to come across a very wonderful leader of a woman by the name of Christine Kane. Christine Kane is the organizer of IF and A21, Bianca got involved with A21, an anti-human trafficking organization, and you became the chief storyteller. What does that, what does that mean? Because I'm going to try to intersect how this has impacted your career and the decisions you made as part of a personal brand. Right. Absolutely. So I met Christine. Christine's the founder of A21 and Propel. There are uh, two different initiatives. One's for human trafficking and one is an initiative for women. But I had no idea what we were walking into. Like, I, I really didn't. I heard her speak at a conference and I was so moved by her love for humanity, her love for people that, uh, to be honest with you, ashamedly, 15 years ago, I didn't know that human trafficking existed. I thought it was abolished thanks to Abraham Lincoln. And not just that it was happening internationally, but it was happening dom- domestically. And so Uh, When I came onto team, I didn't have a social justice background. My undergrad or graduate education was not anywhere in regards to social issues. Um, And so for me, though, using my love for word, I was able to call from the, at the time, 14 different global offices and absorb stories and tell stories from a micro to macro level. So from newsletters to social media, to stages and platforms, from even crafting content for Christine to speak to United Nations and different delegates, those words began to put language around the atrocity that was affecting 27 million slaves across the world. And so I I think that was kind of like what started the real like gas to the flame that was already there. So um, like a small fire became a smoldering fire of like, I believe that this was my opportunity to put a voice, not to be the voice of the voiceless, but to frame a voice for the voiceless in a really interesting season. So I did that for almost seven years and um, transitioned out about two years ago to start a prison initiative to resource men and women uh, who are incarcerated and try to help lower the rates of recidivism as well as resource them to uh, make a positive change so that they don't go back. I just want to put a pin here because if anybody was following that long line of words that my sister was just using, she basically is like the Latina version of Mother Teresa. Like, (laughs) I just, you know, it's like she just says it like very matter of factly, like she was traveling to Greece and other nations around the world, literally championing victims of human trafficking, like in jail. And she was speaking to them without knowing their language. And she was communicating through hand gestures or whatever little language that they had. She was part of the facilitating of taking women out of current day slavery. And she was finding a way to tell their story. And I've always believed very much like our mutual love affair. Bianca pretends that Seth Godin is her best friend, but he's really mine. And Seth was on my podcast. I don't, I mean, I don't want to like, I don't, I don't want to throw this back, but you know, Seth and I are great friends now, kind of, not really. But the fact that Seth says that a brand is an experience And what Bianca was in the unique position to do unknowingly and somewhat knowingly is every time she went on a stage or every time she took 
a, a podcast interview, every time she did a magazine interview, that her stories, the stories that she was embodying and in relation to the people she was working with really became identified with her as a person, that Bianca became the voice of many. And unbeknownst to that, when Bianca walked into a room or out of a room outside of just like lighting it up, Bianca's the kind of person who walks into a room and she will walk out with your, your great grandma's goulash recipe and you're going to be invited into her backyard. And the next thing you know, you guys are going on vacation together. That is my sister. For everything I am not, my sister will just host a party in your favor and have like a unicorn piñata. That's how she is. We're that different. So this kind of started from my perspective, the journey of you building a personal brand. You were invited to speak on corporate stages and church stages and really embodying what that looked like. At what point did you start seeing that there was division between you speaking on behalf of building a brand and a voice for an organization like 821 versus building a voice and a brand for Bianca Juarez Oltoff. You know, it's so funny. I, I keep them. I'm going to probably parallel even our twin journey is that though we sound very similar and look similar, we're very, very different. And I think that maybe being so attached to something and yet totally as an individual set me up for this. And so Jasmine, I don't even know if you remember this, but I, I overtook the social media for daddy's church back in the day. And so to even start a Facebook page, to start a Twitter account, uh, to start an Instagram account. So without me even knowing it, if this is something I was volunteering and doing because I was talking to my dad, I think both you and I as uh, lovers of story, we understand the power of story. And so I was telling my dad, dad, there's all these people that are coming here. We need to get this message out. And so it was almost like a grooming process. So I could put a personality around a voice and uh, the irony of you telling me to speak in different accents in this podcast actually is a great demonstration of that. But when I went to A21, I kind of had to kind of reframe my mind. Um, when you talk about such a heavy topic like human trafficking, um, where everything, keep in mind, it's a little bit lighter now, but back in the day, it was like sweeping the nation with the awareness of it with movies like Taken and exposés like on Dateline. I mean, it was coming to the forefront. So I wanted to take the narrative and the storytelling component of what is heavy and dark and oppressive and scary and tell it from the lens and mind of hope. Tell it the lens and mind of a child that's been rescued in Cambodia. Tell it from the lens and focus of a man who's just been freed from labor trafficking. And so in that, I still got to understand the power of story, but yet the voice wasn't mine. And I think that maybe just to make this like really simple to the person who's listening to the podcast saying, well, what does this have to do with me? If you are an individual and you also have a business or a brand, or you're working on social media development for a company, you could still bring all of your zhuzh, all of your je ne sais quoi to the story, to the words, while still not losing your own identity. How does somebody talk about something that's not so like fun, glitzy, not so Instagrammable. Like how does somebody do that? I get that asked all the time. I'm going through a hard time or my business took a dip. Like how do I talk about it? What, what are some tips for how to talk about something that's a little bit heavier in nature? Okay. So I'm going to, what I'm saying now is not just for a, a brand or a business, but even just personally in studying story. And, and, and when we talk about story, there's actually the art of story. I studied under Bobette Buster and Don Miller and Dan Allender. Like I'm passionate about really capturing this. And I think that where heaviness feels hopeless is when we don't bring, we, there's two things that are missing components. If we don't give the weight, the reality of the heaviness, where it just feels like I'm sad and this is oppressive and there's nothing that can be done without really taking people on the emotional journey of the depth of that, but then also bringing just that glimmer of hope. And that glimmer of hope doesn't mean that here's the solution or they all live happily ever after. The glimmer of hope is 
yet I believe, or this is changing, or I see something coming. And I think that we can, and, and, and it's just, it's like salt. Too much is going to ruin a meal, but a little bit of salt is going to just lift it up. So when we talk about um, entities that might feel flat, like say, let's say you're selling insurance. How do you really tell the story of selling insurance? Well, I think that there's a way that we can do it, even if it's just like you can lose your home in a fire, your car could be, your car could explode, uh, your house could, the foundation could rupture because of an earthquake. But we always tell it from the lens and filter of how it affects us personally, and then peppering it, salting it with the truth of hope at the end. That was good. That was real good. It was a sidetrack to one of the conversations that we had originally set out to do. But speaking of salt and peppering, we should probably put a little pin in this and say, like, between the two of us, I am the better cook. Do you, the <laughs> devil is a liar. You know that is not true, Jasmine. And you know, actually, you know what? I will say maybe you are, but you don't cook. So how is the world going to know? And actually, tell your podcast listeners the truth. Where does everyone go for Thanksgiving? Of your house. Exactly. Your exactly. house. Answer question number two. What was the last time you cooked for the family? Mm, thank oh, you. I, I think my thank mic you. just went out. My, my, <laughs> my, my, my mic was broken. Yeah. I, uh, uh-huh. Okay. So growing up, Bianca and I, we would argue a lot. Like this was like, we, we didn't call it arguing. We call it communicating. But anybody who was looking at us would definitely know that we were, we were arguing. And it got to such a degree that Bianca, one time, brought out a knife. Are you going to tell this story? Because you better tell the full story. Tell the full story, Jasmine. <clears throat> well, because we're here, we're having this conversation about branding. And a personal brand is what somebody says when you're not in the room. Like what, what somebody says when they walk out of the room, that's your personal brand. I, I have decided, I have decided that you can tell this story about raising a knife to my throat and let's see, let's see how the, let's see how the audience, let's see how our listeners break this down. And you want to know something? Put a poll on IG because I know, <laughs> I know that justice will prevail. Here, <laughs> let me whittle it down to the simplest of stories. Jasmine and I, we're 13 years old. We're preparing, or actually we're 14 years old. We're preparing to go to freshman year of high school. Brand new city, brand new home, brand new high school. Like We were homeschoolers. We had never been to school. So, right. okay. So, so there was a lot on the table here. And so we wanted to feel fit and fabulous. So we discovered, we actually, Jasmine, I don't even know if you remember this. We got the thigh master from a yard sale. Okay, you guys, a thigh master. Okay, do you guys remember? If you do not know what the thigh master is, you need to send us each $5. And that's called the youth yes. tax. Okay, yes. the yes. youth okay. tax. So it is a blue, almost eight shape spring with a red coil infinity. in the middle. Is the infinity it's, sign? An infinity symbol um, with a red coil that was a spring. And you would put it beneath your legs and you would just squeeze your thighs together. So we were on this circuit. We were circuit training. So jazz. But wait a minute. We have to describe that the thigh master was a few years old at this time, but, m- but mom had got it from a yard sale right yeah, so it's, it's like, like this thing is old and we think we're like cool we think that we're savvy oh, we're we think we're, we're so hip we're hip with like the suzanne summers decade-old equipment and we're like we're doing circuits we might as well be as old as jane fonda at this point okay so we're circuit training jasmine's doing abs and then i'm doing the thigh master and then we would switch well we switched but jasmine didn't want to let go of the thigh master so after i was done with my abs i said okay it's my turn for the thigh master to which jasmine's like no i said jasmine let me have the thigh master Jasmine, boss-ish, says, no. <laughs> and I said, Jasmine, let me have the thigh master. Jasmine picks up the infinity eight symbol with the red coil that has rubber on it. By the bottom of the handles, hits me, boom, right in the middle of my forehead with the red coil. <laughs> I was so infuriated. Like, 
how dare you? That's so rude. It was my turn and you <laughs> abused me. Like you, you, you went physical with me, savage Jasmine. So I am enraged. Jasmine sees the rage in my eyes. She runs out of the room and I'm- I run, Jasmine. I run. She was filled Princess. with the, she was filled with the spirit Jasmine of the Joyner devil. Jersey, who? Alex and Felix, who? Usain Bolt, who? They have nothing on how fast Jasmine ran out of the room. She ran out of the room, out of the room, into the living room, to the dining room, and into the family room. Well, her back was up against the wall. And what she didn't know is that I had gone to the kitchen. I was so infuriated. I just wanted to scare her. That's it. Like, I'm no chump. You can't do this to me. So I go to the kitchen drawer. I pull out a, like a, what was it, Jasmine? Like a butcher knife. It was yeah. big. It was a Freddy Krueger knife. And I'm chasing her around the house with this knife. Her back finally is up in the wall <laughs> in the family room. She's screaming. And I'm going to emulate her voice because it haunts me. She said, Bianca, Bianca, do not come closer. <laughs> to which I said, don't you ever do that to me again. And y'all, this is what I hear. <clears throat> An outcoming of my sister's mouth is a loogie of epic proportion. It's flailing through the air. <laughs> And it hits me. Where? You guys, I'm not even making this up. Hand to heaven. It hits me in the middle of my eyeballs. It is hanging from my head like a third eyeball. It was like David and Goliath. I slayed the giant because you were evil. Jasmine hocked a loogie at me, to which I started screaming as a dislodged what seemed like an eye was hanging from my forehead. And it was just her disgusting loogie hanging from my head <laughs> and i went to my bedroom and i was sobbing and sobbing i locked the door and then probably an hour later of me just fuming there is a note that slipped under my door <laughs> jasmine do you remember the note remember the note you said dear loogie head i'm sorry love jazzy <laughs> so podcast listeners you tell me is jasmine savage or do i still reign hold the title of halo bianca okay Okay, so I want to put a pin there because there's something masterful about being the older and wiser sister. Because what I just did was I laid the story trap for my sister. If you guys heard carefully, if you want to rewind the podcast ever so slightly, I didn't say anything other than somebody had brought a knife out. And I want to just peel back the layers here because there were a couple of things that Bianca does and that she does really well, which I think empowers her to extend her personal brand. So yeah, Bianca thought she's over here trying to like win votes of like the twin popularity contest. And I'm out here like, I'm a scientist. I'm going to break this down. You totally tricked me, Jazz. I know. Totally but I, we, we've been like this since we were kids. We literally oh. have been like this since we were kids. But there was a couple things that she had done. She was extraordinarily descriptive when she described like the figure eight and the rubber red center and how she said like all you heard was a... And she described what it meant to run from the bedroom through the family room into the living room, how she had pulled out, what was it, Jasmine, a butcher knife? It was a large knife. And I held it before her. Every single thing as she's speaking and telling the story is creating a visual picture in your mind. And in this story, you are really identifying with one of the two characters in her story the smarter and better looking one, Jasmine, or the savage one, Bianca. <laughs> Either way, what's happening is that by way of an experience, now the experience isn't your own. You are a viewer in your mind of this story and you're identifying or you're creating allies with that. 
I think Bianca does that extraordinarily well on social as she builds her brand. And then as she's also leading a church with her husband. So let's kind of go back to where we had left the conversation about you finding a way to build a brand for an organization that talks about really difficult topics. Human trafficking is very hard to talk about, but you did a good job in talking about the truth and then uh, always following up with like a, a season of hope or a reason to continue moving on. And then once you decided to go out on your own, from A21, you had a very wonderful seven-year run. Christine was super supportive. She loved what you were doing and you were time for you to go out and do your own thing. How did your brand building look different than being a part of an organization to, oh, hey, here's Bianca and I'm out on my own and this is the thing I want to do? I think I got to really pick the person that I wanted to talk to and the person that I wanted to sit at my table. And, um, I think jazz, you and I both grew up in a home where our dad loved to cook, host and entertain. And it's something that's in our blood. And so I use the table as a metaphor for a place that people can come and hang out and belong. And the beautiful thing about a table is that it's not a bedroom where you feel kind of like stuck or trapped. It's a table you can get up and leave at any time. And so when I decided to kind of, uh, kind of, start a new adventure. Um, and it was with books and writing and speaking. I created a person that I felt like I, who deserved a seat at the table that maybe didn't feel like they would be wanted in a regular church environment, or they could hang even in language or vernacular with like religious spirit. Okay. Okay. But you sound like, you sound like very like smart. Like this is like a canned answer. Like let's take people back to the table where we created this person. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, that's simple because I mean, listen, I'm not after that savage story and setup. I don't know if I want to tell everyone how awesome you are, but like <laughs> we actually did this together where we sat down and we, you, you gave me the template and then I did the assignment, but basically you were my coach and you're like, this is how you run the play. So for those that are unfamiliar, Jasmine has this amazing talk where she talks about like building the person that you're targeting. And so for me, I could put this in a nutshell. Her name is Taylor. She is 24 years old. She's a graduate of college. It took her five years to go to college because because she went to community school. Upon graduating, her apartment is in a metropolis area, but not downtown where it's super expensive. And inside is a collection of her college wear as well as like stuff from home goods. But then there's like this zhuzh piece from like restoration hardware, someplace that makes her feel like I am an adult. She's making about forty-eight dollars to $52,000 a year. Um, she is skeptical of relationships because she comes from a divorced family. In addition to this, the one thing that she wants is the one thing that she's terrified of, and that's community. When she goes to church, if she goes to church, um, she's probably like, hit it and quit it. She dips in, she dips out. And given the option to do yoga and brunch with friends or go to church, she's always going to go to yoga and brunch. That's my girl. Where she's posting pictures of like either something spiritual or like deep and profound, and the next photo is her in denim shredded booty shorts holding a Corona light. That's my girl. A little hood, a little holy, a little righteous, a little ratchet, and that's who I want. Because I feel like if we can take this 24-year-old person who wants community and feels a little confused, and we can provide some guardrails, just some direction, she's really going to be appreciative. And I feel like if I could just bring a little bit of faith, a little bit of hope, a little bit of joy to this person's life, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. And so this goes back to something I've said again and again, when it comes to building out your brand, you have to know specifically who you're speaking to. Yeah. And as I've seen Bianca's um, personal brand grow over the years, you continue to talk to Taylor, but who you attract is so wildly different. And there's like this broad spectrum of people who are attracted, but it goes back to this thing that I, like I say up and down 
all the time is speak to that one person. So if you go to Bianca's social media account, you will see that she is a, she is speaking to the 24, 25 year old. You will see her making a lot of like cultural exchanges and references to somebody who's 25 who will get it. Now, is she also attracting a 55 year old guy to go to her church? Probably like they exist. And so when it comes to building out your personal brand, when it comes to creating your social media content, talk to me about what that looks like for you. And you want to know something, Jazzy? I'm, I'm going to answer that question, but I'm also going to do a little caveat. Uh, like I mentioned before, both Matt and I started a church a year and a half. Uh, yeah, about a year and a half ago called the Father's House. And the same thing that I did with Taylor is the same thing that I did with the church. In fact, Taylor is the most popular name in 1992. So we're going after a 27-year-old male who is not religious and doesn't have like a religious background. And there's this gap in church from 18 to 32. So it is an exodus of men who leave the church. And we're asking ourselves why. So we are crafting content that this Taylor, the male Taylor for church, is going to want to see. In addition to that- Stop. So you have Taylor and Taylor. So, so Taylor, Taylor is my is, own personal brand. She's 24. But for the church, for the Father's House OC, his name is Taylor and he's 27. He is single and he's looking for, but he's older than my Taylor. And he's at that age and stage where he knows at some point he's going to have to settle down. He would really love a coach. He's not necessarily looking for a Bible teacher or a pastor. He's looking for a coach, someone who is married, someone who has a family and someone who's wise. And I feel like, because my husband's story is a little bit different. He was previously married. He was divorced. He had tons of debt. And now we live debt-free. He travels the world. Neither of us take a paycheck from the church. Um, and it's because we're super dedicated to the cause. And so we're creating content right now for the 27-year-old man. His name is Taylor called Table Talk. And so Matt is like the wise, older, bless his heart, he's older than me. Um, yeah, the white hair is wisdom, y'all. Uh, but, but he's kind of like the older coach. And around him, we've created a table with men ages 24 to 30, having conversations on race, having conversations on dating, having conversations on finance. Why? Because we're targeting that Taylor. So I just wanted to let people know that it's not just for a personal brand. We do this across the board because who you talk to is who you attract. And we want to see those people come to church. So when we talk about some of the stuff that you and I have done, like to work together, what does that, what, it, what has been a couple of things when it comes to building out your personal brand in regards to like a business, because this is what you do professionally, right? So how, how, what kind of content are you putting out? How are you being conscious of your personal brand? Is there some things that you're okay with sharing and other things that you're not sharing? Have you received heat for sharing some things? Because like you are in, like I always say of the twin sector, like you're the 50% holy and I'm the 50% hood. <laughs> and so do you take heat like for saying certain stuff? That's a great question. And so, um, again, not just because we are on this phone call, but you know, like I craft out my content for the week. I try to do it for the month, but that's like for professionals like you, I do content for the week and it's usually peppered in with one sermon clip from either Matt or I, and I teach two to three times a month at the church. So there's a lot of video content that I now have access to that I didn't to prior. But prior to that, I use images from social curator. I use um, quotes from my sermons or talks, um, quotes from my book. But I was really intentional about crafting the content that goes out there. You also mentioned, do I get pushback or feedback? So I don't want the feed to ever feel like it's super heavy from a religious standpoint. So I will always pepper in a little bit of humor and a little bit of just like who I am. I like Bravo. I like reality TV. My husband's a sommelier. We're going to have fun. We like a good turn up and I want my page to feel like that. And then 
when I was in anti-trafficking, nobody had any issues with fighting against this particular injustice. But most recently, in light of everything that's going on within America, specific, specifically racism in America, I have been very vocal about it. And my God, I have been raked over the coals. And so I think I'm just realizing people are not going to love everything about you. What's that meme? I'm not Dantella. I can't please everyone. I'm realizing that in this season, that the older that I get and the more that we take stands, whether that is, I know not all your listeners are people of faith, but I am very brazen with my faith. Like I'm very brazen about my God. And that's not going to be for everyone. That's okay. Cause your tribe attracts your vibe. And, um, I'm just from heat, from racism to, or and even the flip side is Christians feeling I'm too carnal guess what? You don't like me. That's okay. This is Cuba and I'm Castro. You don't have to be here. You don't have to be here. And I think that that swag, that kind of like little bit of, 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 of spice is from you. I like to say that Jasmine always has hot sauce in her bag because she, she, she'll always bring the heat. She'll always bring some heat. So I will, because there have been times where sometimes I'm like, I'm looking at like YouTube comments or Instagram comments and it's like, I'm going to crawl through the internet and I'm like, I'm going to bring out a machete because my sister brought out a butcher knife on me. I'm about to bring out a butcher knife on you. <laughs> I can talk to my sister like that. You can't talk to my sister like that. There are people out there who are just like, I, I can't believe that you made a Cardi B reference in church. I was like, please, God made About Cardi. Me? Yeah, people leave like oh, messages, yeah. like people leave comments like how you shouldn't be referencing Cardi B or either way, somebody has an opinion about what it is that you do. And as in it comes to your personal brand, you're still going to continue and extend that and you're, you're going to do you. And that's one thing that I absolutely love. So when there is somebody, I kind of, for people who are listening and they were like wanting to build up the personal brand, people who are course creators, who are authors, who are professional speakers, people yeah. who work in the nonprofit space, like what would you say works extraordinarily well? Let's give some like three practical tips of like, this is how you show up and create content. I think people usually think like lead with the content. I'm actually going to lead differently. Content Ooh. is easy for me. And um, I don't want to say easy for me. I think building content is always hard. But the hard part for me is organization, structure, dedication. And I'm going to lump those into one. You've got to have a game plan. Because in the course of the day, in the craziness of the day, social media and online digital communication is going to take the back burner to like the bigger projects. But what people aren't realizing is that when book publishers or conference hosts invite you, they're looking at your audience as well. And they're, at, they're looking, if I bring this person in, are they going to attract an audience? So for those that are speakers or writers specifically, and you feel like you would like to write a book, or this is something that you want to do, the first thing they're going to ask you is, what's your platform? And that's not, you could be the best writer. I have read some phenomenal books that don't go anywhere because they have no outlet for marketing. And so I would say, get organized, um, be strategic. And that's going to be number one is underneath that is just organization includes being strategic, being consistent, showing up. Jasmine, you talk about this all the time. The second is going to be content. This is a great example. When Meghan Markle got married to Prince Henry, Prince, Prince Henry? Harry, girl, Harry, how dare you? This is blasphemy. You better know them royal names, girl. No, Step I did, back. It was a brain fart. It was a brain fart. Okay, so when during their wedding, um, people were using the standard image. And like I, I got an image from online too, but I wanted to talk about it. Now, here's the thing. This image was probably circulated by so many people. I saw it in everyone's feed. And everyone's comments and engagements were like fine. There was something about what I said that caused it to explode. So my post ended up in like Instagram's top images for their wedding. And I didn't even use the hashtag. I wasn't trying to go viral with this post, but it did because of 
content. So everyone is saying hashtag royal wedding, hashtag happy days, hashtag congratulations. And I use this as an opportunity to really communicate a message. And maybe this is my social justice background, but everyone overlooked, oh, I get the chills thinking about it, that Prince Harry is the Duke of Sussex. And it was the original Duke of Sussex that was the one, one of the first royalty to abolish the slave trade in the UK. And years later, the Duke of Sussex is marrying a girl of African-American descent. The beauty of this, you can't script this. And so what I said was, hey, this is the power of redemption and restoration. That really went well. So you could have a standard stock photo image, but your top caption, as you always say, and also what you include is going to make all the difference. Those two things, I think for me, work well organization and like the actual copy, like what you have to say, because that parlays into your audience and that makes you a viable candidate when it comes to pitching a book or speaking on a stage or the extension of your personal brand. Right. And let me just say this, and this is a, a lesson I've learned. My background is in art and in art history. And in my studio art classes, our professor always said, throw away your first idea. Even if you've outworked it, throw it away. Dr. Kim Russo, I'll never forget. And do you want to know that I do this for every single sermon. What's the title? Throw it away. What's the key point? Throw it away. Because your first idea is always your easiest. And writing isn't hard. Creating isn't hard. Or excuse me. Creating is hard. Writing is hard. Marketing is hard. And if it's easy, no one's going to care. So spend time on, on crafting that. Do you remember in college when I would go down to the art department? Like for those of you who don't know, my sister and I, uh, we had separate bedrooms in our home and we argued quite a bit and we loved each other. We really loved each other, but we just argued over everything. We argued if the sky was blue or dark blue. We argued if the water was lukewarm or warm. I mean, we had, we had every reason to argue. And when we both got scholarships, very large scholarships to go to Whittier College, they sent out a Scantron and you had to fill out what type of person you were. And this is how they assigned your roommates. And so Bianca independently at one time filled out her form and mailed it back. And then at some other time I filled out the form, I mailed it back. Wait, can I, I give a detail that's super interesting? Yeah. Jasmine is totally type A and so am I, but I'm like an A minus and Jasmine's like an A plus if we're talking about personality types. <laughs> so Jasmine was the first one that filled out her Scantron and she mailed it in perfectly. I was a lifeguard. I'm pretty, pretty sure I had like watermarks on mine. I filled it out just <laughs> the, day, the last day you possibly could. Those are important details because carry on with the story. Well, a couple of weeks later, we get this automated message like in the mail. It's like a printed out. It says, dear Whittier College poet, congratulations. Your roommate is. And then I see Bianca Wattis. And I, and was like, I see Jasmine Wattis. And I was like, what? And my poor, sweet Puerto Rican mother, like nearly like does the sign of the cross, falls faints on the couch. Oh, no, 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 no. She calls Whittier College and says, my daughters cannot be roommates together. Like they can't live together. And the dean of whatever student life said, okay, Mrs. Juarez, the way that it works is they have to stay in the same room for the first two weeks. And then we do a room change. So Bianca and I move into the same college dorm room. We haven't shared a room in like a decade and we keep our stuff in boxes. We say we're not unboxing our stuff because we're not living with each other. And then what was it? Three, four days of living in the dorm room. And we look at everybody else and we're like, Oh, sweet baby Jesus. You're the best roommate I could ever have. Because I could tell you pick up your stinky socks. And, and like, you did. And you did because you're did. bossy, not boss-ish. <laughs> that was bossy. You're right. That was bossy. A hundred percent. But 
Bianca and I were so different. She majored in art and art history. And I remember walking down the hill late at night and I would take Bianca to like dinner and we would just sit and she would do these really cool art projects. And Bianca, when I talk about her like fascination with accents, Bianca and I both took this art class. It was like a theater class and we auditioned for the same part. And Bianca, I remember like watching Bianca through the doors of the theater. It was a private audition and Bianca cried cried in her audition do you remember this jan term class yes. you, you cried in the audition and i had just gone and i was like girl you did good you did real good and then you go in there and you're freaking susan sarandon <laughs> meryl streep over here and you're crying and you get casted and then i got like as part of like the furniture crew i had to wear all black <laughs> on the show days and put in furniture <laughs> like so one thing before we go, it feels like it could be a story I tell myself, but when you walk into a room, you have this magnetic quality that you know how to read people or you know how to synthesize like for somebody who is your twin sister and who has spent my whole life watching you jump in to social situations. Like, what do you say to somebody who like me, like, what do you tell me when I am not comfortable walking into social situations where you could literally walk in, work a room, and then you've like fundraised like six figures? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't know why that makes me emotional to hear because I would never look at you and say, and I think that there's so many people who would never look at you and say like, oh, wow, you must be socially awkward or you can't work a room. But I think the number one thing that I'm learning in this season, especially in seasons of church planning is everybody wants to be seen. And even if you you can have the worst social anxiety, you could feel like the most insecure person. You could feel the most underqualified or unseen. But if you walk into a room and you just see someone, you just make eye contact and you look at them. I, I can't remember. I think it's a scripture, but I also know that there's also like a, a proverb about it, but like the eyes are the windows to the soul. And I think that people want the windows to be clean. But after years of just soot and no one living inside, when someone comes over and like can just clean up those windows and see the person inside, oh, that's what I live for. And I feel like anyone, Jazz, I know that you suffer from like feeling totally insecure and walking into rooms and hating mixers. And I walk in like, who gets to get seen today? <laughs> I think that if you positioned yourself as a window washer, instead of trying to impress people and just say, I'm going to see your soul today, that's something easy. That's something everyone can do. I love this because I don't know if people can hear, but Bianca got a little choked up and teary eyed. She's she's the feeler of us two. Bianca feels everything. And I think about everything. And so our relationship through childhood and adulthood, have we been to this yin and yang? And so when Bianca and I are in a room together, I kind of feel like we're like this, like nucleus, like this little fireball, because we have one, we have two people who think like one person. And so I think that if you, like me, struggle with walking into a room, I think that's the thing that I'm walking away with is like, can I just see somebody? Can I wash somebody's windows? Can I just notice them? And I feel like we have the opportunity, regardless of the size of our platform, to do that for people. Bianca gets to do that in a large capacity, meeting with people um, at various churches that she speaks at, meeting with people at her own church, along with her husband, Matthew. I have a hard time letting myself go up to somebody and like, 
ask, can I wash your windows? And I think that instead of asking, I just need to be, I need to like step into that and not worry about what, like the impact that I'm having on people, but actually just seeing one person at a time. I think that that has been the thing that has really parlayed your personal brand and what draws people to you so distinctly and clearly. As we, as we close it up, I just want to tie everything together. When it came to speaking on behalf of an organization that talked about difficult things, you talked about speaking the truth and also offering hope in the context of whatever it is that you're speaking about. As you moved on into building out your own personal brand, as you went, started public speaking and teaching and writing books was to build out an audience and you build out an audience by seeing people and by engaging with people and making sure that you had a very clear, organized structure and then thought thoughtfully about the content that you were putting out. And then as we move into actually seeing people, which is where Bianca is, I think as in her personal brand and her church brand is that it's not about making sure that you're seen in a room, but seeing people by going up and washing their windows. Those are three different iterations of the same brand. And wherever you find yourself or in that alliance, I hope that this message, I hope that Bianca was able to speak to you from a different perspective, specifically to the people who are building out personal brands and also building out brands to third to third party organizations. B, do you have anything else to say? I just love you. And I know that there's a lot of people who uh, love you and they don't know you. And the more that they know you, the more that they love you. That's what I will say. Mm. Well, I love you. You're so, you're the nice twin. Friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. I absolutely love Jasmine and she's not only my best friend, I know that she'd want to be yours. Will you pop in and show her some love on social media? You can leave comments or DM, but share the love because this woman is incredibly kind, gracious, and generous. And I firmly believe if you follow her, your life will be enriched as well. I can't wait for next week's podcast. Thanks so much for leaving your kind reviews and I will see you online.